when you ask most people in a room, what do you think a personal brand is? They'll say the Jeff Bezos quote. That's what people say about me when I'm not in the room. That is true. Those impressions and perceptions are a critical piece of our success or failure with our personal brands. But the other side of it is what we're talking about here on I Heart My Life, which is how you see yourself. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Rachel. I am pumped to hear more about your journey and to hear all the wisdom you have to share with our audience. So welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Emily. Can you briefly introduce yourself and share a little bit about your world and the work that you do? Yes, I can. My name is Rachel B. Lee with a B, and I live here in Austin, Texas, and I'm actually... I am a branding lady boss. So I have this background of being an employee and working for somebody else. I have two degrees, one undergrad. I have an MBA from UT Austin. My undergrad's UW-Madison. And I took the leap a year and a half ago after working at Microsoft and I was at Gartner. So really big companies. I took the leap to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, and to do that with my husband, which most people think is really crazy. But our mission, my mission, is so much bigger. It's it's really about people understanding their voice, really defining their voice, and how they want to bring that to market so that we can change and impact the world. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we do with Stand on Authority. Amazing. And I know that you guys have been married for three years. Is that right? Four. Four. So was it part of the plan for you to kind of jump ship in terms of corporate and join Josh in the business? It's a good question, Emily. I think, no, it wasn't like when we first met. I always have had an entrepreneurial spirit and desire to do something for myself. So it's always been ingrained with me. My my dad, my family, my lineage is very entrepreneurial, actually. Us working together and being a part of Standout Authority and the way in which that came to life was an iteration, was just part of that going through the process of like, what do I really want? Where am I at? Having being not happy with having, you know, great job and all these things and landing these great opportunities, but like still not feeling like I was happy. And so in that work, Josh and I talking and and him being very supportive and saying like, well, you're not happy. So what are we going to do? And in those conversations, creating a path where we were working together, it's like two people creating two different businesses. Well, we're creating a family. I have two stepchildren. Just didn't seem realistic. <laughs> for what we both envision. So we took this path together. Yeah, I love that. And I asked because it was never part of the plan for James and me to be working together. And so I know a lot comes up with that. And we can get into that in a second. But I'm curious to know what was contributing to your unhappiness when you were in your job? So 
there's a lot of things that are part of this. I think like one, if you're listening and you are an ambitious overachiever who kind of thinks that the end, like creates goals and thinks that goals is going to bring happiness. I get that. That's definitely me. And I thought being in corporate and climbing the corporate ladder and being a C-level executive in front of you know hundreds of people and all of that was the dream, was what I wanted. But realized that actually the constraints and bureaucracy of working inside of another company, especially when they're a big, big, big corporation, was really shattering to my voice. And for me as a creative human being, I felt like I was being constrained. You know, it was like, constantly having to prove spend, prove things out. And like, all the people loved me because I was creative and outside of the box thinking and like pushing, pushing, pushing. But to continue doing that without really the speed and results and the closeness to people, just that energy, it just wasn't energetically feeling right. And so, and a big piece of that, Emily, was just not being able to fully authentically share my voice as well. And as somebody like, I mean, like all of it, like caught up in here, you know what I mean? Like all the energies that wasn't going to work long-term for my, just my, my authentic self could never fully be out there. And do you think you would have realized that had you never met Josh? It's a good question. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think that because of Josh, he's really being an entrepreneur and people might not know who Josh is. My husband's Joshua B. Lee and he's an entrepreneur 20 plus years. And I think like he really showed me that there is a much different way of living a life that isn't like get into an office and get out. And like, it can be more expansive and (laughs) multidimensional and like integrative. So I thank him tremendously for for bringing that whole other light, that world. I still think that I would have eventually gotten there because because I was I ultimately you know just I, in a hamster wheel. And quite frankly, I look at so many. I have so many friends right that are working, and it's just like working in jobs, and it's like a hamster wheel, you know. And so it's exhausting. For sure. Yeah. And James and I often talk about that. You know, if we hadn't gotten together, would he have discovered coaching and this passion and left his 12-year career? And I agree with you. Ultimately, I think he would have gotten there. But sometimes our partners are the catalyst for quicker change and really opening our eyes to something bigger. So I love that. And although you were unhappy and you had this clarity, I know that leaving something safe, so to speak, isn't always easy. So what sort of mindset blocks or fears did you come up against that you had to move through? Oh my God. <laughs> um, Do we have enough time? Yeah. I'm like the biggest, biggest block that continues to still be um, challenging is the money piece, right? It's, you know, I grew up at my background I'm Jewish, so I have those cultural um, pieces of being Jewish, which you may or may not understand that, and being from a family of very hard workers. And, you know, you go to college and you get a good job and you make good money and you need health insurance. 
right? And the 401k and making the savings and that security is just such a, a critical thing in how I, how I grew up. Not to say that my parents actually, when I now talk to them, they had money. My dad was an, a movie producer. Like he was an executive producer. Like he was filming in Israel. He was doing all these things. Very unsteady, right? In his like mid twenties, you know. Now I understand, and I think it's kind of interesting, right? When your parents do that, they want you something different for you. But that piece of really saying like, oh, oh, shoot, there's not like a safety net. Like what I energy I put out there is what I bring in there. The health insurance is like a big, scary piece of it. Always still is for me. I still am not out of that one. Just like worrying that you're not going to have it. Yeah. And, and how much healthcare costs and like, I mean, Josh and I, I mean, we paid like 30 grand this year, probably in healthcare expenses. That's a lot of money, right? It's just like, hi, everyone. Like we're a small business. We're, but like, well, we have two kids and we have the dentist. It's like all this stuff, right? I'm going through fertility and then there's counseling and God forbid any health insurance covers the counselors or therapy. So like all of those things, really big hurdle in making that leap and making sure that, um, we felt, I felt like I could do it and make it. And I think that that's one of the big things that holds people, most people hold back because of those safety nets. And I get it. But Josh always told me, and he's 100% right. It's like, until you make the leap and there is no safety net, you can't fly. It's like, you just got to jump and then you it will kind of work itself out. And it has, and it continues to. And so was it just him saying that or were there other things that like, because I always think, you know, the fear is always going to be there. But when we focus on the desire and the desire is greater than the fear, that kind of pulls us into the decision. Was there anything else that really helped you transform your mindset and take that leap? Yeah. So I did, I had a life design coach. So I've, I've had different therapists and things like that, but this kind of leap takes a different kind of perspective. So Julie Reeser, um, she's still a dear friend. I worked with her and she was very, very helpful and sort of this like spiritual and transformational and like bringing up the questions, you know, like, well, because I'd say to her, like, I'm not going to leave for two years. Like two years feels good. Okay, cool. Like that feels good, Rachel. And then it was like, oh shit, no, I need to leave. I need to leave now. It's like, okay, then we're leaving now. You know, it's like you kind of need... You need somebody. I also was part of the Ascension Leadership Academy, which is emotional intelligence curriculum, um, which is a very um, hands-on and pretty aggressive in some ways way of, because it's emotional and physical, really kind of break through the things that are holding back. So I think all of those things, in addition to having, you know, my husband, were hit, like absolutely mandatory in making the leap. And I don't think any person should make leaps without some sort of community and outside thinking to help you get there. Oh, for sure. And I know it's only been a year and a half, but I'm curious to know what sort of 
roadblocks might be a bit too harsh, but what sort of things have you and Josh come up against in your working relationship as a couple, as a married couple in this business? One of the biggest things that we've had, we've had to continue figuring out, but I think are finally in a better place is roles and responsibilities. And even actually before that is like being super crystal clear on what is the mission and what we're trying to create. And like, there were, there's been definitely many moments where it's like, oh, he's thinking something, but I'm thinking this. And like, we're not realizing that. And having to sit down and be like, are we clear? Like, this is what we want Stand Out Authority to do. We're an agency where it's like, we've had to go through different iterations. So being super clear on what we're trying to create and then how we create that, the roles and responsibilities piece is absolutely critical to being success in a marriage and business partnership. But also like, even if you're not working with your husband or wife or partner, any business partner, right? Like you need to know what, who's accountable and responsible for, for what, and then let those, let that person be accountable and responsible for that so that we know if something's not working, well, it, that fell into your lane. And that is still really, it can be still blurry for us because we are a small team and because the way in which we do things is blended. Josh and I are both vibrant personalities. We both have personal brands. We're both out there creating and speaking. It's not like, you know, some people, one person's total back of house, like doesn't want to be on social. They're taking the stage, like all that. Actually, Josh and I both really get energy out there. So that's been really challenging for us too, Emily. Like who, who is that person sometimes that takes center and who doesn't, right? And again, I think the more clarity we have on what we're trying to create, how and by when, and also getting the right kind of people to support us is just like so critical. Like I am more of the doer just by nature. And if I have to manage Josh, project manage him, it's literally like so bad on our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, assistant, like, so, like I don't want to be following up and seeing if you did something that not good for us, not good for us, but for other people, it might work. No, I hear you. And how do you guys, how have you found that balance or have you between even just, you know, the way that you spend your time? Cause I know for James and me, one of the things that we found works well is just being clear with each other if we're done talking about work for the day and really respecting if the other person is, you know, has taken off their work hat, so to speak. What about you guys? Do you have boundaries or does work kind of flow into personal life as well? I wish I could say it's like 5 p.m., the clock's off. Like, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? But we have gotten better. That's another learning that we've had of like, we're going out to date night, which we do on Tuesdays. And I just finished a call and I just rushed to get ready. And I just finished something with a client or whatever. And I'm like ready to talk about it. But Josh has been ready to go. He planned this date night. He's ready for date night. And I get in the car because by the way, this has happened. And I'm like, da, 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 da. And he's like, 
we're on date and like, I don't want to talk about this. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. I, I need a second. Can I just get this off, finish this off and then we'll, we'll switch, you know? And that is, is an important shift. I can't say that we're perfect on it, but we do try our best to like, at least say to ourselves, like I did this yesterday or today. I was like, Hey babe, I have two things. One's business, one's personal. Which do you want to hear first? <laughs> Love it. He's like, and what did he say? Well, which one's more positive? He's like, which one's going to make me feel good? I was like, the personal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And just being okay with whatever. Lighter, you know, it's just like, it eased the conversation where in the past I'd be like, hey, da, 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 da. And I, Emily, I'm very masculine energy. I'm like, this is something I'm working on, right? It's like, fits into my feminine, not being so go, 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 go. Um, so I really have to check myself on this. Yeah. I love that. Do you want to up-level every area of your life? Do you want to achieve more success, joy, and abundance? If so, head on over to iheartmylife.com slash go and check out everything we have going on to support you in creating a life that's better than your dreams. So switching gears, I know that you... Well, well, I'll tell a story first. Earlier this year, January 2022, um, you recommend... I think it was January, maybe February you recommended the book Spirit Babies to me because I was really hesitant about whether I wanted to get pregnant and how we wanted to expand our families, our family. And it was like such a game changer for me and actually helped me connect with our future daughter, have a dream about her, really like envision my life being pregnant and being a mother. So first off, I want to thank you for that because that was like a monumental shift for me and I've recommended it to so many people. So thank you. And um, I know that you, you know, have already kind of mentioned it here. Fertility is a part of your current journey and um, a path that has brought up challenges, lots of growth for you, lots of learnings. So I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about some of just the behind the scenes of what's been going on, but most importantly, like where you're at with it today. Cause I know we were speaking offline a little bit about this and how it's such a lesson in surrender, which I think is a theme for a lot of people this year in the last few years. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit to that. So I have been on an IVF journey the last year plus, and the journey started because Josh has a vasectomy. And so going into it, um, we just decided that I, we, we thought about a reversal and I, I'm going to speak very um, open about all this because nobody does. And I, if I could help one soul, one person that has a similar experience, like that would mean the world to me. We didn't do a reversal. COVID happened. You know, it was like, okay, I want to have a baby. We're going to do IVF for the best um, chances. And successfully got embryos a year ago at this time and started to, nobody also talks about this, that IVF is a multi-phase approach. The first part is the egg retrieval, which many women are doing egg retrieval now. They're freezing their eggs um, because companies are uh, not only paying for it, but many women are deciding to have babies later and they want to save their eggs because um, we know that things do start 
to dwindle a bit by the time about 30, 33, 34. That's just, that's just like research and facts. So that's just one part of the puzzle. And another thing I, I didn't realize that either going into IVF. If you're listening and you think that IVF is just going to be like, like, let me tell you, no, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. And if you decide to freeze your eggs, know that there's a different journey behind when you want to use those eggs to create a baby, right? Now you've created another form of having a baby. Now my journey and Josh, we um, created embryos. So once you retrieve the eggs, there's embryos made and we have, we have some, some embryos, which is fantastic. There's many women that struggle to even get to that point for many, many reasons. They can't create embryos or, or in the process of trying to do that and struggle with that part of the process. Now, my journey has been to transfer the baby. There's actually like a multi-week process to get that embryo into your uterus. Another thing I didn't realize, thought it'd be really easy. It hasn't been for me this year. And in fact, I've tried four different times and taken many different medications with um, dwindling results, my uterus looking worse, my lining not being thick enough, and not being able to get pregnant. And it's been an emotional, physical, and mental roller coaster. And as we just talked about, I've been working on a whole, I've just birthed a new career. And standout authority is not the company it was before me. I mean, we've kind of rebirthed an entire company. And I was trying to birth a baby. I wouldn't suggest doing that, ladies. Anyone is listening. I can now at least speak about that in, in retrospect. And the journey, first of all, like being being a woman is just miraculous that we can create babies. Our bodies are just miracles walking around. And now I'm in a place where I took a break. You know, I've physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted by summer and have been recovering, which has been so useful. And in that process of looking at my uterus, identify that there might be some scar tissue and some stuff going on in there. And I had a, a bit of a surgery with a specialist here at UT. And what's so interesting about this, Emily, is that in this conversation and in having this surgery, we've discovered that my uterus is a little bit different. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You know, Josh kind of joked. He's like, surprise, surprise, Rachel. You're not in a box. You're different, you know? <laughs> He's cute. He's cute. But my uterus is more narrow. It's not fully dysmorphic, but some people might be listening and have a dysmorphic uterus. It means it's more T-shaped. Mine is not that. It's not as, as aggressive is the only word that I want. I can think of. Um, extreme, right? Like she's just kind of narrow and a little bit different. And she had some like scar tissue on there that, that we don't know how it got there. So that's really interesting. She said that you're probably just born with this. And we don't know how that scar tissue is there. We don't know why this is there. And we also don't know that just be all this learning doesn't necessarily explain why your lining hasn't been getting thick enough this entire year. So I get to sit in this place of complete uncertainty. Like at this point, 
I've done it. Like, kind of like you asked me, what steps did you take to, to, to make the leap into entrepreneurship? I've taken all the steps to have a baby. And there's actually this time, there's no baby yet. So for me, it's literally in God's hands. Whenever your higher power is, God, divine, Gaia, whatever, you know, whatever it is for you, it's in God's hands. And for me, it's like the biggest, it's like God is saying, Rachel, you must step back. You must step back. Like you can't control this. You can't push this. You can't make this happen. You just have to surrender. And how often is that's what owning a business is. That is what living life is. There's like a threshold. There's a point of diminishing returns in our life where we can push, 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 try to get the partner, try to get the job, try to get the promotion, push, push, push. And then there's just no more returns. And I'm basically at that point in my fertility. It's the biggest lesson of my life. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I know that the piece around surrender is is something that people get, whether it's in a situation like this or something else. And, you know, you do get to the point, especially as someone who is really ambitious, like both of us, where you just can't try anymore and you just can't push anymore and you're exhausted from all of that. And you just have to release it and, you know, flow and be in the present moment. And that is a lesson like that's such a gift in itself, because I think the sooner you do that in life, life is so much easier, (laughs) but it's such a hard lesson for those of us who are used to achieving. It's reprogramming your entire body and mind and way of doing things. And it's like, if you want to learn a new language, right, you just go to school or you go listen to whatever Rosetta Stone or whatever, and like you go learn the language when you when you're trying to reprogram in this way of surrender and trust it's not about going to learn a new program <laughs> it's, like it's about job. unwinding the program that's in you already so every it's like every choice like it's in these nuances emily i i woke up like a little like nasally I'm kind of feel it in my head. I, I've been running today and I had a meeting. I came back here and I was like, I'm, I'm, I was about like, oh my God, like I am so tired. So old Rachel, keep pushing, get on the computer, send some emails until the second it's time for the interview with Emily. Now, Rachel, no, eat something, go lay in bed, take a rest regroup, have some tea, have some water. And I'm going to see if I can do some more work after this. But if I can't, because the kids are on their way home and they take another amount of energy and I need to be ready for that. So I'm just going to do my best. It's that. It's literally like that small that I'm learning that it's that each one of those decisions every time, every day that lead to this bigger idea of surrendering and creating and creating a baby. Yeah, it's so amazing. You know, even like you said, the baby isn't maybe physically here yet, but the lessons 
have already been, you know, so prevalent in your life and it's already transformed you. Just this process has already transformed you. And what did you, so one of the things that struck me about you that I've shared with you is that, you know, obviously we were expecting our baby in eight weeks or so at the time that we're recording this. And I was really hesitant to share that with you because around the time that we found out we were pregnant, I believe you had a transfer that didn't go successfully. And so what's really struck me about you is your willingness to be open and honest about everything that you're going through in real time, but also how you've been able to be so supportive and so happy to someone like me who's a little bit further down the journey. And I share that because, you know, not just about pregnancy, but there's so many situations where we can compare ourselves to other people. And I know that for me, that's one of my major pitfalls is like when I compare myself and use it to harm myself, not to inspire myself. And so that's one of been one of my biggest lessons as a business owner and somebody who is, you know, on Instagram and following all the people and all the things. So how have you been able to navigate that? And have there been challenges there? Or, you know, what is it that you can share regarding your perspective on that? I mean, not gonna lie with you, it has gotten hard. And in that, and in because you're one of many of my friends, right? I have many people. I did a few baby showers this year. And honestly, I am genuinely so happy for everybody. And especially when I've been on hormones and all these things, like there have been a few moments where I'm like, I do get sad or I don't realize I just went to a baby shower and I come back and I'm with my friends. I'm like genuinely so happy for everyone that's having baby. But then my energy is drained or I am upset, you know, and, and it's okay. Like, it's okay to do that. And I mean, in my journey of therapy and everything, it's like really actually being in that and something I've been talking, you know, um, I have a psychiatrist, I have a talk therapist, I, I will be vulnerable and I did with this audience and say I started medication this year, which is something I do not talk about really yet on any social platform or anything because I've been ashamed of it. But grief is what my psychiatrist told me is like, you are grieving. You're grieving. And I never thought I was grieving because you think like somebody dies, I grieve. But we grieve when when there's unmet expectations, period. And so, like, just that, and like when she told me that, being like, "Yeah, you know, I am grieving. I yeah. am like, and I could be grieving and be really also excited for Emily that she's having baby because I honestly, genuinely feel both of those things, and." It's really easy to, I think, judge ourselves and judge other people. But, you know, Gabby Bernstein is one of the people that always says the best. It's like, if you're judging somebody else, it's really what you're judging yourself. Totally. Yeah. And I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. So if I'm judging you for being pregnant, it's because, oh, well, I'm not being pregnant. That makes sense. But like, let's have awareness of that. Let's feel into that and like move forward and not be caught in it. Yeah. And still allow yourself to feel the emotions like you were saying. Um, Because I think, you know, this has been a theme for whatever reason on the show for the last few episodes 
where, especially in the personal development space, it's like, okay, well, like shift to your positive thinking and not actually experiencing what you're experiencing in the present moment and going through the stages of grief or whatever it may be, sadness. And, you know, being like, yeah, that did suck or this does suck. Let's actually acknowledge that instead of bypassing it. It's so, so, so important. And I think for me, I've gotten comfortable being in that grief and being like, I am upset right now. I'm in this. I'm anxious. I'm this and this and this. The part that we also need to be very aware of is when we're not making that shift and in that down and can't get ourselves out of it. And for me, when it's when I'm starting to feel like I am having a hard time doing my, you know, for me, it was I'm having a hard time doing my work. I'm down more than up. I'm having like panic attacks, you know, like I'm in that was a different kind of sign when I'm already doing the work, right? And meditating and like in it. And so everybody's journey is different. And whether it's a fertility journey or you're in your career, your relationships, your health, your money, we just mental health awareness is just so, 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 so important right now because we're all experiencing a lot And social media is really devastating, I think, to our mental health. While there are many benefits to it, I would say sometimes the negatives are far greater. And that awareness of how you're feeling and when to get support is absolutely pivotal no matter what you're trying to do. To I hurt my life, to love my life means... I must be really aware of what's going on in my life and how I'm feeling in it and not pretending. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't remember who said this, but I talk about it all the time, so I should probably figure out. Um, I remember reading something that said most of success is just about having awareness and you know, awareness of yourself and what's going on, awareness of the situation, awareness of where do you need support right now, what could possibly trip you up, like all the things. So I love that you said that. And thank you for being so honest and vulnerable. I know that a lot of people are struggling in various ways, and it's so important for them to hear someone like yourself share that it's okay to get support in many different forms. And actually, that's the strongest thing that you can do. Exactly. 100%. So I don't mean to go to from fertility to branding, but that's what I'm going to do anyway, because <laughs> why not? Because they're one and the same. Exactly. So you talked about how one of your missions is to support people in finding their voice. And I heard, I've been watching the Meghan and Harry documentary. Oh my gosh. Me too. (laughs) Meghan Markle said on stage that women don't need to find their voice. They have their voice and we just need to encourage them to speak up. And I understand what she's saying there and I agree. And at the same time, sometimes people don't know what their message actually is. So I'm curious to know, like, what is your favorite work and how does the person listening who is looking to establish their voice start to do that? I think it's such, I'm so loved that you mentioned that with Megan, because I had the same reaction where I was like, agreed. And (laughs) what we say does matter, right? Not only are we responsible for our words, we're held accountable to them especially in a digital social media driven world. And if we want to use our voice to grow our career, which we should, we have to, whether you use that online or don't, 
most certainly that voice is being used with your clients inside the corporate or whatever business you're running, whatever, right? Your voice is like ultimately what's going to drive whatever you want to create in your life. And I think it's something that to me, it's all about your personal brand. Your voice is ultimately the way in which we talk about our personal brand. And the shortest way of just, just describing what a personal brand is, it's how others see you, which is when you ask most people in a room, what do you think a personal brand is? They'll say the Jeff Bezos quote, you know, it's what people say about me when I'm not in the room. True. It is. That is true. Those impressions and perceptions are a critical piece of our success or failure with our personal brands. But the other side of it is what we're talking about here on I Heart My Life, which is how you see yourself. And what happens is, is most people haven't really thought about how do I see myself? What am I passionate about? What is my expertise? Who's my audience? What am I like different? How am I different? When they haven't done that work, then they really trying to put a facade up around what they think people want to see. And so the best personal brands are ones that are super authentic to ourselves. And when, and you know, that word authenticity is getting thrown around a lot, but my vulnerability in this show, that's authenticity. Vulnerability is authenticity. It's saying the things that are hard to say. It's saying the things that other people might not agree with, but having the empathy and sensitivity to know that others might not agree. And so our voice is really us being able to vocalize how, how, what, and why we do what we do. And it's not easy. I love it. Yeah. And, but that makes it sound so simple. And I'm curious to know when you work with people, what sort of struggles do they come up against? Um, you, you mentioned one, you know, the temptation to kind of just follow what other people are doing. Um, but how do you help people identify those three things? What we go through is our four pieces of building a personal brand. And when people haven't done this, there's always something that's, that's a reason why they're not getting clients, the reason why they're not getting referrals or they're not getting engagement because they're, they haven't been super clear on their personal value proposition. And so to, the pieces that make up your personal value proposition, your personal brand is your skills. What are your skills? Like, what are your superpowers? This should be two, three things max. If you don't know what they are, go ask somebody, go text, email 10, 20 people and say, what would you come to me for? Many times people will answer this, Emily, with, um, I'm very resilient. That's great. That's not what I'm talking about. That's an adjective to describe you. That's not actually a skill that I'm talking about. I'm talking about hard skills, right? For instance, I'm really good at branding and marketing. Not everyone can say that. I'm really good at communication. Not just here speaking, but writing. Right, writing, building presentations, all of that. A lot of people can't say that, but other people might be super into operations or analytics or research, right? Um, I like to think about these things as like job descriptions because it helps put you in an area, right? Because we need to have a niche of who we are. So for people to understand this, we need to actually have a superpower, have skills, then understand who is your audience. People really struggle with this one. When I say audience, I'm saying, 
who can relate to your background and your experience? So if you think that your audience is, a lot of people will say the aspirational audience. I really, really, really want to go after, you know, 35 year old millennial women. Like basically I want, I want people like you, Rachel. And I'm like, okay, but you're a man, you're 20 years old. You've never worked in tech. Like I might be your aspiration, but based off of where you are today, there is a disconnect in those audiences. You have to go after. And by the way, with the way things are changing with content marketing and and the way data and analytics and engagement, you're going to be much better off going to people that you know work are your current clients, people retaining them. Like look after, look at those people first and foremost before you go after this. Like I think this audience because maybe whatever the competition is doing it. The other piece is differentiation. Differentiation is the most critical piece of branding. And let's be real with each other. With millions and millions of small businesses and millions and millions of creators across the globe, we all are a lot alike. So your differentiation has to come through with things that make you credible. Credibility. What makes you people trust you and give you credibility? Some of the things for me are the fact that I have an MBA. The fact that I did work at Microsoft in corporate, that I have worked at an agency, right? These are things for the audience that I go after in the business. This brings good differentiation. Other people can be a branding lady boss, but a branding lady boss that's worked with corporate and executives, not everyone can say that, right? And then the last piece is what are you passionate about? Like at the end of the day, this, how I, how I see myself and how others see me, the more passionate we are, which means what is giving you energy and excitement? When you think about that, your audience, your differentiation, your passion and your skills, those pieces are going to build your value proposition so that you could say in one line, you know, my name is Rachel B. Lee. I'm a branding lady boss. I help people and organizations build their personal brand, create influence, content, and change the world. Very clear. Right. Um, and I, I like left out the LinkedIn strategy um, because we can <laughs> tweak it, right? You know, like if you look at my headline on LinkedIn, for instance, versus on Instagram or Twitter, right? There's flavors of our brand on different places but it all ladders up to one value proposition. Mm, so good. Are, sir, are most people who you work with missing one of those components more than the others? Or is it just they don't have the combination nailed? I would say most people are not very clear on their audience. They think one thing and the reality. It's like if you're on LinkedIn – and we have people that say, you know, I really want to go after investors or whatever. And then it's like, you go look at all their connection. You look at the content they're putting out there. There's nothing around investing, nothing to attract an investor, right? And I'm like, are you sure it's investors? Well, if it is, if we, if we do have a product to go after investors and we got to like really change this, this up here <laughs> so that you're attracting the right person. I'd say that is a big disconnect for most people. Most people also really struggle to connect their stories. It's like, I worked at a company as a VP, da, 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 and now I'm a leadership coach. 
you know, I'm a coach or whatever. I'm like, and they are really struggling to attract the right people, get those clients because they have this corporate background, but they're trying to attract, let's say students or something. So there's just like a disconnect people like there's a thread. Our life is just like this one woven thread of our experiences and people try to put it into buckets when really our job as great branding people and as marketers is to actually tie that thread together in a story and narrative that makes sense and attracts the right people that convert. Oh, I love the way you describe that. It makes it so much simpler as well. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, well, I love traveling and I do this on all my spare time, but I don't talk about that at all. I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why? Because like, so it's, it's that finding the connection and finding how to communicate it. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets really nuanced. It's the how and where, and that's the, that's the content strategy piece. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes we're so close to the brand that we can't see all these holes and that's why people need somebody like you. It's impossible, impossible to do, by the way. Can't do brand strategy yourself. Even Mm. me, even me, I get perspectives, all of that. It's very hard to do it because when you're inside, you just can't see it. You got to get some outside perspective. So if people want to know how they can work with you and find you online, where should they go? Well, um, standoutauthority.com is a great place to reach out to us if you're interested in anything. And that's where we keep information on our community and our new programs coming out as well as our done-for-you one-on-one clients. But then, of course, LinkedIn on every channel, the Rachel B. Lee. So on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I do have a TikTok account, but I really don't TikTok. I'm trying, but not really. (laughs) I'm on Facebook. I, you know, like really LinkedIn, Instagram. Oh, and Twitter. I'm on Twitter, you know, but like I can't, I haven't gotten into the TikTok, right? With the energies, I'm like, we have to be mindful of our energies. It's very hard to be good on every platform. Totally. <laughs> so at I Heart My Life, we believe that we're far more capable than we give ourselves credit for, than we even know. So what would you say is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Surrender. Trust. I mean, I, it seems obvious based off of our conversation. I think we can create the dream, visualize the dream. You have to take action, you know, must take action. But once you do some of that, you just got to let it, let it ride. Take your hands off the steering wheel and just trust that it will all work out. I wonder if Rachel last year would have said the same thing. Probably not. I might have said it, but maybe not have fully understood it. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for your vulnerability and honesty and sharing your journey and all of your wisdom in so many different areas. I'm grateful for you, not just for this conversation, but for our friendship. And I'm excited for your next chapter. Thank you so much, Emily. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life show. That's hashtag I Hurt My Life Show. 
And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.